I wish I could tell you the stories of those men you just saw from Iran, Iraq, Afghanistan, Turkey, their ministry to Muslims. They were Muslims, and now they are disciple makers of Jesus Christ. One of those men was actually ordained by us, Living Hope. We went over and ordained and ordained him in the gospel ministry. And now he is leading people to Christ. And, and there are churches being planted all over Europe as these new believers are now going into those cities with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is both a humbling and exhilarating experience. And I hope that sometime you get to go. If not, I, I do pray that you will send. I pray that you'll begin giving next week to the gift for Christ so that we can send more. You know, God is at work in the world, and one of the great joys of that fact is that we get to join Him in what He's doing. You know, when I was growing up as a kid, we never had a go-to-work-with-your-parents day. I don't know why, we just didn't. So I never went to work with my mom or dad, and we never had the deal where, you know, the parents came to work. I don't know why we never had the parents day where they would come and share what they did for a living. I saw it on TV. I saw it in a movie once. You know, you remember City Slickers? Remember Billy Crystal Loose that freaks the kids out? Remember that scene? Uh, but I never did that. How have you ever actually had your parent come to your school to tell what they did or you went to work with your parent? Have any of you ever actually done that? I mean, I don't know why. They just, they don't, they don't do it very much. But maybe that's why I love the fact that our Heavenly Father is at work in the world and He calls us to go to work with Him every day. We have the joy and the privilege of going to work with our daddy every single day. Our dad is at work in the world. And he is calling us to go to work with him, to share the hope that we have. See, there has been a prophecy. It's been foretold, and it's about to happen. It's in the process of happening right now of what, what's gonna, what it's going to be like ultimately. Look what it says in Revelation chapter 5, beginning of verse 9. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood uh, ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom of priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Right now, our God, our Father, our Dad is at work in the world, drawing a people from all languages, all nations, all parts of the world to himself to save them and to make them a part of his eternal family. And guess what? We get to join in. We get to be a part of what God is doing in the world. He has chosen to use us, his people, to tell other people about the hope we have and about the salvation he has brought through his son, Jesus Christ. Please understand, God calls us to go to work every day. And I know sometimes it's easy for us in North America to think, well, all the work is done, everybody. We know, they, they kind of know. Friends, there are people that are sitting, that were sitting in the same seat you're sitting in right now just a few years ago who are no longer walking with the Lord. we got to go find them and we got to go help them. There are some people in our city who've never heard the gospel. And I know that's hard for some of you to imagine, but it's true. They were not raised in Christian homes. They've never set foot in a church. We must tell them the truth of the love of God. Remember what Paul said in Romans chapter 10? This is so crucial. How, did, how will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they had never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news? It is not about being a preacher, it's about being a Christian. 
It's about being a person who proclaims the good news of what God has done. Not only in, in, in Southern Europe, not only in West Africa, not only in Southeast Asia, as we have teams going right now, but right here in our city. God is at work in our city, in your workplace, in your home, in your neighborhood, at your school. The question is, are you going to work with Dad? Are you partnering in on what He is doing in the world? This is what He's called us to do. This is the opportunity of a lifetime. And this opportunity comes at a great cost. Friends, don't ever forget what what God had to do to bring this great salvation. Never forget what He has done, what He promised He would do, and what He has, has done. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, go with me right now to Isaiah chapter 53. And this is a promise. This is a prophecy given hundreds of years before the coming of Christ that, that Jesus fulfilled. And it, was, and it was the promise that spoke to the means by which he would ransom, that is, pay for our redemption. This is a crucial text. Eli Drake is going to read for us. Eli, where are you, buddy? There he is. He said on the other side. Let's stand together in honor of God's word. This is a text that, again, hundreds of years before the coming of Christ, where God has promised what he would do through Jesus, what Jesus has done. Uh, let's begin in verse, what are we going to begin in? Verse what? In verse 3? Okay, beginning in verse 3. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. The word of God. Thanks be to God. Well done, Eli. If you would go ahead and be seated. Friends, that's the gospel. That's the good news. And that is the, the word that will bring salvation to all who will believe. The fact that God has come to, to save a people for himself. This is not new news to many of us. But, but what I believe is happening is what happened in the early church. What is happening in the church in North America, I believe, is what was happening in the early church. See, in the, in the early church, Jesus told the disciples, those people who believed in him, listen, I want you to leave your comfort and I want you to go to where you live and to places even beyond and tell them of what I've done for the world. Look what Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He said, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now, this task of taking it to the end of the earth, 2,000 years, is still left undone. We still have to be sending, and that's, that's why we receive the gift for Christ. The gift for Christ provides us the means to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. But I'm going to tell you what happened in the early church is the early church wouldn't go. They were there in Jerusalem, and they got comfortable. There were thousands who believed, but no one was going. And so you know what God did? What he always does when his children won't obey. He brought persecution. When you look at the church in North America, 
you see a culture that is changing and turning against the people of God. We are being told to be quiet. We are being silenced. There are those who are even saying things like that people are going to need to change their religious beliefs to align with the cultural standards that that are being pressed by the, the, the majority, so they claim. Why would God allow this? I'll tell you why. The same reason he allowed it in the early church, to get his kids to work, to get us to join him in what he's doing in the world. So what happened in the early church was this persecution was presented to the church by then Saul. And so there were disciples that had to be dispersed because because of the persecution. One of those was a guy by the name of Philip. Now, Philip was, was a, a guy who was a servant of the church. He was like a deacon. You can read about him in, in Acts chapter 6. But if you've got your Bible, go with me to Acts chapter 8 and look what happened. So when the persecution broke out, Philip went to Samaria. And while he was in Samaria, a revival broke out. All kinds of people started getting saved. Thousands of people were saved, and a church was established. And so what happened is what seems to always happen to the church. Thousands of people, hundreds of people, more than sometimes even thousands, like here at Living Hope, begin to gather and worship together. And what happens is we get comfortable. We come and we sing the songs and we hear the bald guy talk, right? And then we leave and we rate it like it was like, you know, the voice competition or whether whether we liked it or not, right? But we're not seeing the majority of our family of faith join our Father in the work of making disciples. We're not seeing a majority of our church do what God told us to do, which is to be His witnesses, Philip was one of his witnesses. And so there's this church that was planted in Samaria, and then no sooner does he get comfortable and excited about all the cool things God was doing in the church. God says, I've got a bigger purpose. We need to understand God's purpose. And, 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 and God's purpose is bigger than our comfort. Please hear that this morning. God's comfort, I mean, God's purpose is certainly to bring us comfort, but it's not by making us comfortable. God comforts us as we seek to live out His purpose. And His strength at work in us is His comfort. And and one of the joys that we have at Living Hope is that we get to be uncomfortable financially and giving to the work of God. But please understand, God has called us to do much more than that. He's told us to do much more than just go for a week or ten days on a mission trip. He's called us to live a life that is on mission and to go where He sends us to go. See, God's purpose is for us to go where He sends us. Look in verse 26. Again, Philip is comfortable. He's happy. He, he doesn't really need much of anything. It's, it's, a, it's a cool church, but it says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go towards the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. God says, Hey, Philip, I know you like the church in Samaria, but uh, heads up, I need you to go on a mission trip. I need you to leave the comforts of this city, uh, the comforts of what you know, and I need you to head south. And you're going to go on a road, and, it, and it, so you'll know it is a desert place. And he obeyed. Some of you need to go on mission trip this next year. And some of you need to give financially beginning next week for the gift for Christ so they can afford to go and make it possible for those who are in desert places to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. So Philip goes, and he begins to understand God's purpose. See, God's purpose is for us to look for how God is at work and to join Him. 
do you go home? Do you go to work? Do you go to your neighborhood? Do you go to school every day thinking to yourself, how is God at work in this place right now? Is there anyone here that doesn't know Jesus? Do you know the spiritual state of every person you work with and that you go to school with and and the neighbors that you see regularly? Have, Have you looked at them through the lens of the gospel? Have you considered where they are in terms of their relationship with God? Here is Philip. He obeys God. He goes to this uncomfortable place in this desert land, and he sees this Ethiopian eunuch. It says in verse 28, who was returning seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the Spirit said to Philip, go over and join his chariot. Go and join this chariot. So here is Philip looking for how God is at work. You know how he knew to hear from the Spirit of God to go and get near the chariot? Because he was looking to join his father at work. And so he goes and he gets near this this chariot. And so Philip ran up to him, heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? How did he know to go talk to him? Because he was looking for him. He said, who am I supposed to talk to? Whoever God is at work in. How am I supposed to know? You've got to pray, and then you've got to watch, and you've got to take opportunity to ask questions. You know one of the things I love to do? You guys know this. I love to ask people what they think of the condition of the world today. Hey, how do you think the world's doing? You know what almost everybody says? It ain't so good. And I always love to say, the world is not as it should be. And I like to ask them how it is they're making it through the world. I like to ask them, hey, what's, what's, what's really kind of saving you? What is it that's really empowering you? What gives you hope? What gives you joy? What gives you peace in this broken world? And I, often what they say I know won't hold up to time and pressure. And so you know what I like to share? Do you, do you know what I like to share? Can you say out loud what I like to share? Three circles. I've been sharing that with you guys for several years now. If you're a first-time guest, don't worry about doing this. But if you've been at Living Hope for more than three months, please take out a piece of paper. It's time for a pop quiz. Take out a piece of paper. You can use the prayer cards, but get a pen. And I would like for you to right now draw for me the three circles. Some of you have been here for months. Some of you have been... Jerry, why aren't you drawing the three circles? Sharon, wake him up and give him a piece of paper. Don't make me come down there. Draw the three circles. And here's what I want you to do. After you've drawn the three circles, those of you who are on social media, I want you to take a picture of it, and I want you to post it, and I want you to tag me. So if you use Instagram, I use Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Those are the only three I do. I don't understand the rest of them, all right? Don't snap me. I don't even know what that is, all right? So, right, three circles. Can you draw the three circles? Some of you are not drawing the three circles. I don't understand. You've been here for months. Surely you can draw the three circles. Someone told someone that they weren't going to come back to our church anymore because all they ever talk about is the three circles. So, surely you can draw the three circles. Now, some of you are wondering, what are the three circles? If you're drawing, just keep drawing them. Don't cheat. If you've never heard the three circles, let me explain what I'm talking about here. This is how we understand reality. Look, all of a sudden, the eyes pop up. Oh, now look at all the pins writing. Okay. What is it? Well, we understand God's design is that we live in harmony with Him, but we know that we can't because sin. Because of sin, there's brokenness in our world. That's why the world is not as it should be. 
But the good news is the fact that, that God has intervened in our world, and if we will trust in Jesus, repent and believe, we can recover and pursue God's design. We can live with God. He will become our Father. We can be forgiven of our sin. Are you sharing that? Can you share that with people? Philip asks a very simple question. Do you understand what you're reading? Do you understand what's going on in the world? Are you asking that question of others? And I really appreciated what the guy said. He said, you know, how can I unless someone explains to me what's going on in the world? And look at verse 35. Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. See, God's purpose is that we know the truth of the story and be able to tell others what God has done. Can you do that? Some of you have been Christians for weeks, some of you months, some of you years. Can you explain the gospel? Can you explain the Bible? Can you start in Isaiah or, or, or Jonah? Can you start with King David? Can you go into Judges? Can you look at Leviticus and explain the coming of Christ? See, Philip was able to go to Isaiah and explain the story of the gospel. Because here's what we know. We know that the Bible is not a collection of stories or sayings, don't we? We know the Bible is a single story. How many parts is it divided into? How many parts of the, uh, are there of the Bible? I know some of you have been here for months. Pop quiz. Here we go. Now you've done it. What are the four parts of the Bible? Again, if you've been a guest, if you're a guest here, don't worry about it. But if you have been here for more than a few months, I have shown this to you every single week for, for at least three years. There's four parts. All right, what are they, guys? Put them up here. The Bible's creation. Say it out loud with me. Creation. So when, when the Ethiopian eunuch was reading the Bible, he was reading Isaiah. And he was reading a prophecy about the rescue. He was reading a section of scripture that was telling about the coming Messiah, the coming man who was God, who would take away the sins of the world, who would willingly sacrifice himself to, to meet the just demands of God so that we could be saved. Not only do we have to understand God's purpose, that is to, to save a people for himself and to use us to be a part of it, we have to understand and be able to explain God. Activity. You got to know God's purpose. Second thing, you got to understand God's activity. Now go back to Isaiah 53 and let's talk about this. It really goes back to verse 13 of Isaiah 52. And if all I had was what Jesus said about the Bible and Luke and this text, if that's all I had, I could tell you that all of the Bible is the Word of God. This was written hundreds of years before the coming of Jesus. And the way Jesus fulfills this prophecy is miraculous. It starts off talking about the fact that he would be marred, that he would be, he would be beaten to the point that he didn't even look like a, a, a child of the human race but that he was chosen for this. And then he goes on to describe how what, what really, if you look at verses 1 through 3 of Isaiah 53, what you see there is that what really caught people's attention about Jesus was not that he was so good looking or that he had power and prestige in the normal ways of the world, but that there was something distinct about him. There was a power that he had from within. And this, this power was despised and he was rejected because he claimed to be what he truly was, God in the flesh. 
and that he was the one who would bring salvation. And so you look in verses, uh, what is it? Uh, you, you look there in verses 4 through 8, and you see the description of his death. By his wounds we are healed. We understand that the just demands of God were met in Jesus Christ. God is holy. He's pure. And our sin, every lie, even what we would call the slightest of sins, is an eternal affront to God Almighty. And the only right payment for that is death. Our death. But as we sang before, and what the scripture says is, he died in our place. He died a brutal death, which tells us the seriousness of the sickness of sin. And he took our place, and he died so that we wouldn't have to. But then look in verse 9. Look what happened. Look at this description. It says that he was buried in the grave of a rich man. He fulfilled that perfectly. That's exactly what happened. The Savior died, and he was buried in the grave of a wealthy man. And then you look in, in verses 10 through 12, look what else happened. He was raised, he was crowned, he was acknowledged as, as the one who would reign forever. And now he is, he is now intervening on our behalf. I love the way it's described in verse 12. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. This is not someone who is dead but alive. But he died. How could he be said to be living if he died? Because he was raised. Jesus Christ died for our sins as promised. He was raised as promised. And now he has the name that is above every name. He shall divide the spoil with the strong because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. What is he doing now? He's making it possible. He's interceding between us and God. That's how God heard our worship this morning. That's how the Father allows us to be in his family. That's why we can say God is our Father, because Jesus died for our sins. So that our sin debt has been paid. We now have peace with God, peace within. We can make peace with other people as we share the hope of the gospel. And this is God's activity in the world. And this is God's purpose for us. That we go to work every single day with our dad. Our dad has told us to, to go into the world and share the hope that he's given to us in Jesus. He's done everything necessary. And now it's important that we understand God's demand. God's demand. God's not asking us. He's telling us. What is he telling us? Go to Matthew chapter 28. Go to the Great Commission. What has God told us to do? He said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Friends, God our Father has done everything necessary for us to have peace with Him, to be forgiven of our sin. He didn't do that so we would gather in holy huddles and hide. God saved us from, from our sin so that we could be in His family, so we could join Him in the family business. God, God's business is bringing hope and healing and salvation to the people of this world. How does He do that? Through us. What did Paul say in Romans 10? How will they hear unless we go tell them? They won't. How can they believe unless they're taught? They won't. We have to go. And here's what you know. You know there are people 
You know people right now. I'm sure if I ask you to list them, and I would recommend you list them later, who were once faithful to worship God, who have not set foot in a gathered time of worship in weeks, some months, some years. They've lost the faith. It is your job, my job, to go and tell them. Some have never believed. It's our job to pray for them and to share with them. I remember when I was a freshman in college, I lived in the football dorm with 110 other young men. There was one other Christian other than me. One other Christian that actually said it and showed it. But he was Church of Christ, so he didn't think I was saved. But we were still good friends. <laughs> and so, so here I was, and I met a guy by the name of Dan. And Dan and I, we just connected. You know, there's just some people you can just get along with, and we had a lot of laughs. I started praying for him because I, I could, you know, I asked him, and he told me, and I could tell by the way he was living, he wasn't a Christian. So I started praying for him. And I started sharing the hope I had. I lived hopeful, and I chose to be helpful by, by after several weeks after praying for him, telling him about what Jesus had done for me. And I'll never forget this night in his room, I could tell he was coming under conviction of the Holy Spirit. And I don't, when I get nervous, I just start talking. I know it's hard to believe that I could talk for a long time. But I just started talking. And I finally, it just, I just stopped. I said, okay, I've shared a lot. Would you like to accept Christ as your Savior and Lord? He said, dude, like, I did that like five minutes ago. You wouldn't shut up, all right? So are you serious? He's like, oh, yeah, you got to quit talking so much, man. You're just wearing me out. But he accepted Christ. A few weeks later, I baptized him back in my home church. His family flew in from California to see him be baptized. He is now a child of the King of Heaven. And it changed his life. But can I tell you, it changed mine. I went to work with my dad. I thought I was going to play college football and get an education. I was going to work with my dad on that campus. Friends, I don't know where you're going to be tomorrow or this week, but God our Father is at work there. And you know what he wants us to do? He wants us to go to work with him. He, he, it's God's purpose to bring salvation to people we know. God's activity has done everything necessary for them to be saved. God's agenda, God's, God's plan is, is that we would join in it. It's, and it's more than just a plan, friends. It's a demand. And the only just response is that we commit ourselves to doing the very thing He's commanded us to do. It's only just, after all Jesus has done, that we would meet God's demand to go and make disciples. My question is, are you? Are you praying for those who don't know Jesus? Are you talking to them about who Jesus is? Are you living hopeful? Are you being helpful by living the faith and then sharing it faithfully? Are you telling them the story? Creation, fall, rescue, restoration? Are you asking them, hey, how's it going in, in life? Because I'm going to tell you something, guys. Everybody you know, everybody I know, has a Savior. Now, this sounds weird, but let me explain this. Everybody you know and I know is depending on something to get them through this broken world. The question is what? And here's what's so sad, and here's what some of you are doing, by the way. If I were to ask you, and you were to be honest, and, and we said, now, what is it that's really helping you get through this world? What gives you hope? What gives you peace? What, what makes you smile? You know, some of you would say, my spouse. And that's great. 
And some of you would say, my children. And you know, that's, that's great. But can I tell you, there is no person who can carry the weight of your soul. And can I just tell you real quick how unfair that is? For those of you who are saying to your spouse, be my happiness, be my joy in my life. Do you know how unfair that is? They can't do that. For some of you who are parents, who if I asked you, what is your joy? What are you living for? What is your life? Some of you would honestly say, well, my, my children. Can I tell you how unfair that is? You're putting the weight of all of your eternal happiness and joy in their success. What's that mean when they fail? That means that you're lost. You're putting your weight of your soul, some of you on your spouse, some of you on your child, some of you on your job, some of you on your looks, some of you on your money, some of you on a political party, some of you on a government, and none of it can sustain the weight of your eternal soul. Only God himself can save you. Only God can carry the weight of your sin and your brokenness. Only He can carry you. Only He can love you as you need to be loved. Only He can do it. But you've got to give your life to Him. And having given your life to Him, you've got to help other people know what He has done. You've got to pray for them, and you've got to tell them. And you've got to baptize them, and you've got to teach them. You've got to walk with them. And this is the this is the this is the life. This is what God has done. Now, this morning we're going to sing a couple of songs that tell us of the mystery of Christ, of the greatness of Jesus. Here's what I want to invite you to do. Some of you need to come today and ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. Do it. Some of you need to come and talk to your daddy and say, Daddy, you've been inviting me to go to work with you and I haven't been going. But starting today, I'm going to work with you. And some of you need to come and pray for those that God is sending you to. Some of you, it's Southern Europe. Some of you, it's Greece. That's great. But right here, this week, your mission trip, where is it? It's your workplace. It's your neighborhood. It's your home. It's your school. Pray for those people you're going to be talking to this week. Come get on your knees on their behalf. Let's pray together. Father, you are so good. You are so good to be at work in our world. You have called us to, to this great salvation, this salvation that alone can sustain our eternal soul and the needs that we have to be loved. Only you can do that. Only you can make our lives significant and meaningful. You alone, oh God. And the, there's a whole world out there. Some of them are our neighbors, some of our folks we work with, that we go to school with, that we work out with, that we see uh, as, out in the neighborhood. And they don't know, and they have not believed, or maybe they've forgotten, or maybe they've walked away from this great salvation. Lord, it's our job to do what Philip did, which is to be looking for him, to be talking with him, to be sharing with him. Lord, hear the prayers of those who come today to ask you to save them, and save them forever. They might join you in your work. God, for those who today come and say, Daddy, I need to join you at work. I commit myself to you. And then, Lord, there are many today who need to pray for someone they know the same way I prayed for Dan, to pray for their salvation, to pray for you to do a miracle in their life. 
God, hear the prayers of your people as we celebrate and sing of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.